Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. We've got a lot to get to on this Monday scramble. An amazing Sunday for Brandon Grace as he captures his first win on the PGA Tour, while Jason Day falters over the weekend at Harbortown Golf Links, and Luke Donald cannot close things out on Hilton Head Island, still winless since the Valspar in 2012. Hello and welcome. I'm George Savarikas with Will Gray and Ryan Lavner. And guys, first off, we got to get to right right to uh, Brandon Grace and that final round 66 he had been kind of knocking at the door on the PGA Tour what do you think of his performance on Sunday yeah definitely rock solid in the clutch uh, this kind of seems like a natural progression you've seen him win seven times on the European Tour he's won a lot in his homeland of South Africa and then he kind of started to make a jump he contended at Chambers Bay until that foul ball on the 16th hole Sunday last summer then he was a, a rock solid stud at the President's Cup going 5-0 and and you thought as long as he kept playing a little bit more in the U.S. It was not if, but when he was going to get that first PGA Tour win. I'm a little surprised it came on a, a ballpark like Hilton Head, but clearly uh, he's not only just a, a long hitter off the tee, he's got the short game to match. I was say, don't forget the PGA Championship. He also had a tough time there That's true. at Whistling Straits. What were you going to say, Rod? I, I thought this was really one of the most predictable outcomes of the year. Not necessarily that he won in Hilton Head, but that, but that Brandon Grace won on the PGA Tour this year. I mean, it was, it was a given. Where I thought, were you banging this drum? Yeah, three what a predictable. He's, what, a, top, he's a top from? 15 player in the world. Of course it was going to happen this year. Look, he's got 10, 10 worldwide wins since 2012. I mean, but he's been... It's a big difference to go from winning significantly... It's not really. Yeah, it's, it's in South a, Africa to winning on the PGA Tour. A win is a win. It begats winning. So the fact Charles that... Charles Schwartz won twice in the PGA Tour. He's one of the most... Brandon Grace is the most prolific winner anywhere since 2012. Anywhere. Sunshine Tour, European Tour, PGA Tour now. Or Ten wins. Throw it in the Sunshine Tour. It's a win. It's a win. There's this perception that just because you don't win on the PGA Tour, that it doesn't matter. No, but there's also a perception that it's not easy to win on the PGA Tour. He yeah. said Schwartzel just got off the hump. Louis Eustazen hasn't won since the British Open in, in 2010. He is he's very much capable Brandon of Grace winning. doesn't even play on the PGA Tour for a year. He got, his, he got his PGA Tour stats at the U.S. Open last year. So the fact that he did this in what? You're saying 12 it's events? predictable. It's pretty impressive. Cannot be the adjective. That I'd say it's surprising that he got done that quick. We yeah. saw some flashes. I don't think it was surprising that he got done this quick. I'm actually surprised it didn't happen earlier. If, if, you were, you would have told, if, if you would have told me Brandon Grace, are you surprised Brandon Grace won on the PGA Tour? I would say no. But if you would have asked me to list people that I think two months ago they're definitely going to win this year, he's not on my top ten list. Not on your top ten list. No, I would He's put guys like in the world. Dustin Johnson, Henrik no, Stenson. No, guys who have not won who are going to take the next step in their career. Where would okay, you put That's it? a very different list. I'm just talking about guys in general that were going to break through and win on the PGA Tour. DJ, Stenson, those guys are all very capable. Justin Rose. Because you're saying it's a top year. 15 player, it's predictable. But you look at all the guys who are top 15 in the world right now, or top 20, who haven't won. 
And they also have been playing that well. Danny Randy Willett, Grace has Danny four Willett top was, fives in the last nine starts. Lab, Danny Willett was top 15 two weeks ago, and I didn't see him as a guy that was definitely a lock to win on the PGA Tour anytime soon. Well, he didn't have a PGA Tour card, so he couldn't have. The fact of the matter is, Brandon Grace has just now recently gotten his PJ Tour card. He's right. just now playing these events. I he was going to capitalize at some point this year. I was actually surprised it didn't happen earlier, to be honest you with you. You really thought he would win in quicker than 12 starts on the PGA Tour? I almost thought he was going to win the Masters. He was Until he, until he missed the cut. Just right. like he missed the cut at the Honda. <laughs> Sleeper pick. Sleeper pick. He hasn't missed a cut in the Sunshine Tour, though. That's I mean, true. He's batting a thousand down in Johannesburg. No, no, I, 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 I agree with the overarching premise that he is talented enough to win on the PGA Tour. And if he said when it's all said and done by the end of the year, if he had a win or two, then you wouldn't be shocked. But to say that it's predictable, given how unpredictable it is for guys in the top 15 to rattle off wins in the PGA Tour, I think that's where Will and I have trouble totally perfect golf course for him ball striker and keep it below the canopy of the trees he's a decent putter those are small flat greens it was going to happen it doesn't surprise me all that it was but i feel like he was like danny willett like no one was talking about danny right. willett going into sunday at augusta no one was saying whoa brandon grace is only three off the lead it's hey can luke donald get this done or can the guys at six make a run or is matt kuchar yep. the winner two years ago gonna do this he was because like the there's perfect. a perception that he's not that great of a player that's not the perception it's just he hasn't it is the there's perception. a lack of there's a lack of recognition there's a lack Even of recognition CBS announcers are like he's not very well known in golf circles he's not well known in the u.s that's totally accurate like yes. danny willett wasn't well known it doesn't mean they're not great players they're both top 15 in the world because there's a perception that what happens outside the u.s doesn't matter because it's fairly accurate if you look historically what's been done on the pga tour by guys who are accomplished in europe it doesn't always translate colin montgomery exhibit lee a lee westwood darren clark like there's been a whole generation of european guys who peeled off 10 15 20 25 victories in europe then they'd come over here and fall completely flat so that i i think brandon grace with top fives and two majors last year should have smashed that perception now lee westwood has plenty of top fives Do you know majors. how many top lee westwood finished top three at augusta he's one of his first times playing in the states brandon grace he's 27 I, years old look, i understand but but he's got a point made colin montgomery never won in the u.s lee westwood who's been playing the american tour for years only has two wins and the last one was back in 2010 i mean it's not an automatic that just because you have the game to win or contend on the PGA Tour that you're just going to get a trophy for showing up 10, 15 starts later. That's a fair point. But he did get a tartan jacket, so is it. But the 66 was, I mean, the guy, like the point that you're contending to, the guy clearly has game. So for him to finally actualize that on the PGA Tour, now he's on the radar, and you could see him possibly winning two, three times this season and when it's all said and done, we wouldn't be stunned. Another guy who seems like he's possibly knocking at the door, Bryson DeChambeau, to finish T4 his first time out of the gates. Would you say that's predictable, or what, what term would you use? <laughs> I thought I, I thought he would play well. This I think finishing in the top five was was certainly a, a bit of a surprise. But here's here's something that I found was really funny. I went back through the archives of, of stories I've written over the past year about Bryson and his college coach at SMU, Jason Enlow, told me after Bryson won the NCAA championship that Bryson was one of the top ball strikers in the world. He didn't mean in college golf. He was talking about top 20, 25 guys in the world that he peers at as well as anyone. And then when he gets out there, it's going to be apparent to everybody. When Bryson's pro debut, he finishes more than 10 shots ahead of the field in strokes gained to degree. He was gaining more than 10 shots through the field with his ball striking. It was exceptional. And if he just putted a little bit better, I think 
We're talking about Bryson DeChambeau winning in his pro debut. And I love, real quick, guys, showing players who won the U.S. Amateur and the NCAA Championship in the same year, Jack Nicklaus, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Ryan Moore, and how they fared in their professional debut. A lot of these guys within five starts either had like a win or a runner-up finish, but for Bryson, his first time out of the gates to have all the headlights on him after Augusta, what was your take of what we saw out of him? Yeah, it was certainly impressive. I think, as Lav said, if he putted decently, he's definitely right in the mix there. Uh, I think he, he has to write Jason Kokrak a little thank you note for the 72nd hole double bogey that got him about another 40, 40 50 grand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is all this is all a numbers game for Bryson right now in terms of trying to get special temporary membership yeah. and then trying to get his card for next season and things like that. I will say, as impressive as it was. I wouldn't mind selling some DeChambeau stock right now. Selling. I think I think that we're it, talking about him on the Ryder Cup. Yes, I mean, there's, yes, there, the, uh, the hype the hype machine's gotten way out of Ryder control. Cup talk? There's, there's been, been there's Ryder, Ryder Cup talk. talk. It, it was what? a little to say Ryder Cup it, talk. It's just out there in the social media sphere. Anyway, I, I think a couple more top tens. Maybe. But <laughs> here's the thing. It's yeah, pump the let's, yes, pump the brakes. Exactly. This is this is a kid who has great potential and he's going to be on the PGA Tour for years to come and he's going to get a win probably sooner rather than later. I don't know if he's on the Brandon Grace fast track, but we'll have to see. But the point is, all of a sudden, this, this kid is coming out off his internship where he's playing a bunch of pro events. He played well, and now he's got a top five finish, and we're ready to roll out the red carpet here. I wouldn't mind just slowing it down a little bit and, and see I, how he does. So I think the Ryder Tuck Ryder Cup talk is preposterous, but as far as him possible... Give me a wild card pick. Would you, would you rather have him or Bill Haas? This is, give me, give me Bill Haas or door number two, and I'm going to go <laughs> door number two. <laughs> We're kicking the can a, a little far down the road. But my whole point is, I wouldn't be stunned if the guy was able to get special temporary and win. Oh, he's almost, I mean, he's already a third of the way there. And win yeah. on the PGA Tour this year. That wouldn't be surprising because I think the mental makeup that he has, the thing that impressed me the most about what he did at Augusta was he makes triple on Friday takes his cap off, smiles, and shakes the hand. Mm -hmm. And you can tell mentally that it's not like he and Jordan Spieth are cut from the same cloth, but he also has a maturity and a poise that in a big moment, if he faces disappointment, it doesn't completely blind or deter him or completely throw him off kilter, that he can still handle and conduct himself in the big moment the way that you would hope to see a Jim Furyk or a guy who's been there for 20, 25 years. So right. I think that that coupled with what we saw out of his ball striking has him possibly poised for a big year, but Ryder Cup talk and multi-win season could be a little far yeah, we, we can We can revisit that in, in August or September. I think it's clear, though, that what happened in the fall with SMU and getting the postseason ban, deciding to drop out of school, was really a blessing it's in disguise. I mean, yeah. this kid is rolling into his PGA Tour schedule now where he has to make hay in these seven sponsor exemptions that are allowed to non-members. He has to make hay, and he is so prepared. I mean, this is old hat to him. He's, he's not showing up at a PGA Tour event all wide-eyed and, yeah. and unsure about where he goes and how to allot his time practicing. I mean, he's, he's going there now with the intention to win, and that's so dissimilar to what the John Rahm, Robbie Shelton, Bo Haas are going to be facing me to get on the PGA Tour this summer. He's just full steam ahead now, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he if he wins the $750,000 or whatever the case may be to get his card for next year. Real quick, yeah. I know it was a very unique set of circumstances that let Bryson leave school early, obviously, with SMU going on probation, but we've seen in NBA and college ball, there have been outliers like Brandon Jennings, who skipped college to play in Europe and use that as his internship 
Bryson didn't want to burn all his sponsors' invites, so he played in Australia, played Abu Dhabi. Do you think we'll see more top-tier college players who could garner an invite to a European tour event or an Australia like that who say, wow, look how much it helped and benefited Bryson down the road too. to get Chris these Kepka had to, had well, to, played, to but, but I'm just saying yeah, to, to cherry-pick a three or four so you're not burning your seven to get more starts. Do right. you think that once in a blue moon that we could see more guys try and follow that Maybe path? once in a blue moon. I think this is just a case of the stars really lined up with, with what happened at SMU and the fact that Bryson was the reigning U.S. Amateur champ and the reigning NCAA individual champ that gave him the cachet to really get those starts, not only in the U.S., but then in Australia and Dubai. And, and it was Qatar. a tremendous marketing opportunity for him to grow his brand, oh, yeah. get some recognition, kind of get everybody with the, the whole scientist, artist talk. It was just a perfect storm, I think, that aligned. I'd, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I mean, you could, have top, you could have top college guys like Lee McCoy or Bo Hostler who right now might have the game to challenge DeChambeau, but they don't necessarily have the brand and they don't have the recognition that would go international to get the opportunities that he had to play earlier this season. The guy who has a lot of recognition, Jason Day, and he had talked about he had the 36-hole co-lead, was saying, ah, mentally I'm tired, but I'm grinding through it, and then... <laughs> do you think that was just utterly fatigue on Saturday? I mean, would you? I think I think it all just caught just caught up with him. I mean, everybody hits the wall after the Masters. That's why you see a lot of the top players taking taking the week off. It hits everyone differently. And I think just the build up to it just kind of exploded. He wasn't as mentally sharp as he probably should have, and he got a bad break. I think I was on the third hole, hit a tree, and bounced into the hazard. Um, and after that, he just kind of. Uh, collapsed from there, but he said something very interesting on, on, on Sunday afternoon. Barely. He barely broke 80. ended up finishing the top 25, but he said something interesting after the final round that he's only been home to Columbus, Ohio for eight days since December 28th. I think that's a glimpse into what it's like for these top PGA Tour players where you're number one and you have all these corporate obligations and he's on the road traveling to Palm Springs to try and get his game in gear. I mean, but some it's of that April. Some of that self-inflicted, where he went to visit Tiger mm -hmm. and spend a few days with him and whatnot. So that's why I'm, I, I agree that it's mid-April. But the guy took three, three and a half months off. And before, then, before December twenty eighth. Yes. Yeah, and he's made. He got, what, but he eight, did it because he knew it was going to be an onslaught once he got going again. Yeah. And he's made eight starts in the PGA Tour. It's not like he's a Danny Lee whose divisor is <laughs> seventy-two. Some, yeah, yeah, something ridiculous. So that's why I'm concern personally that we're hearing that he's already fatigued there's one major in the books you've got three majors in six weeks and the olympics on the back end if yep. he's already leaking oil now then what the heck's going to happen june july and august here's my thing with jason day though when are we supposed to believe him this is like the boy who cried wolf to a certain extent because he said at the match play his back's hurt He's, he's struggling to get through the round, and he wipes the floor with the entire field. He goes to Bay Hill and goes basically wire to wire, and he says, well, you know, I'm a little tired. I'm not sure. I wouldn't want the Masters to start next week. I don't, I'm not at 100%, and he wins another event. So he has said Bay this. Bay Hill was before match play, the week before. No. Yes. All right. So either way. All right. Same, the point same, is, same point, yeah. The point is, he has said multiple times before, I'm tired, I don't, I'm not at 100%, I'm feeling fatigued, and it has not at all affected his play. He's been able to go out and dominate on a, on a world-class stage. Whereas now, finally, 
he slows up and he shoots a 79 or whatever, but then he did bounce back with a 68 on Sunday. So clearly he's not exactly totally off kilter. It was a bad day in the office, but we've heard this time and time again from Jason Day, and more often than not, he's able to put it behind him and still perform at a high level. And weren't we just talking about this with Spieth, how he's yeah. got this jet-setting schedule, he's tired, there's no time to, to catch his breath? Well, he's not playing again until the players. That's three or four weeks off. He can Yeah, but that's his only break from now until like August. Still a month in the middle of the season is pretty good. Jason Day is probably not going to play again to the players either. So he's he has a chance now to, to catch his breath. He said he's lost a lot of weight. He was sick uh, during the match play in addition to the back injury. So I think there is a time during this Texas swing for him to, to, to catch his breath and kind of regroup. How much of that is the modern-day golfer? Because you look at kind of contemporaries, if you will, from the previous generation. How often do we hear Phil Mickelson say, ah, I'm exhausted, you know, I've played – three weeks or Ernie Els, man I'm just I'm really dragging like Listen, it, Phil, it seems like the common refrain now to throw it out there and then that way you have a crutch if something goes wrong and then if you win it's not like man I'm and they get no sympathy from fans who say <laughs> you're flying private and, no, and, I, and I, I mean, getting paid millions yeah, of dollars for those of us who peel back the onion and see behind the scenes it is tiring like I get it but it seems like they, that that is a more common refrain now than it was even 10, I would definitely agree with that. 15 years ago. I do think, though, also, it's just because there are more opportunities, whether it's on the global stage, the wraparound schedule that's having guys play a couple times in the fall, whereas before you saw Phil Mickelson put the clubs in the trunk in September, and he, he's not going to be seen again until Pebble Beach in February. And now they're playing in China in November, and they're playing the President's Cup in late October, and there are more opportunities for those guys to just get out there. And There's more corporate and sponsorship yeah. In yeah. charity aspects, good, good. yeah, absolutely. And they can be highly incentivized to play certain events in hey, October, indeed. November. I'd be willing to be first alternate at the Singapore Open. So Luke Donald, uh, it was a, a great. It, it was nice to see the former world number one start to, to play well again. Wasn't a shock by any means that it was at Harbor Town Golf Links, but once again we see a guy who has a 54-hole lead who can't close it out. It is this it's seemingly every week unless it's a, a top tier guy and not even they can always close it out is this just the new age pga tour where no lead is safe i think i think the guys are really good i think the people who are chasing them have no pressure they can just kind of free will it but i think the fact remains that tiger spoiled us for so many years he was 43 of 45 with a 54 hole lead in his pga tour <laughs> career it's just insane that's 95 percent conversion rate and when you look at that over time it was about 40 percent for his competitors so i mean he was just a statistical anomaly you know there's a, there's a number of factors that go into this but even this year we've seen rory blow a 54 hole lead we've seen jordan spieth very notably blow a 54 hole lead now luke donald who's not in the same caliber of players those two but it's just hard it's just hard to win yeah and i think that this course especially seems to favor the chase pack, just the way that that front nine sets up, you're able to get off to a fast start. And Luke Donald, each of his last three 54-hole leads have come at this course, and he, each of the three times he's finished second. And he said on Sunday, maybe next time I just need to be three or four shots back because leading is not working for me. And clearly it's just a, a course that's set up well for the chase pack where you can go out and freewheel it and you can be more aggressive to some of those pins that are that are tucked away in those tight greens at Harbortown. And all of a sudden you get a couple under par and, and you start feeling pretty good about things. All right, let's play a quick game of who would you take uh, i personally would go jason day if i had a 54 hole lead to protect now would you have said jason day a year and a half ago no because he was one for seven 
before he had, last year, he had two right? wins a year and a half ago. So obviously right. I wouldn't pick him because he's never closed anything out. <laughs> right. But when you win six times in 15 starts, four in a six-start span, the thing that impresses me the most, which I had told you guys earlier, was that the Barclays and the BMW, I, he led by about, what, four to six? And then he expands those leads. And the easiest thing to do when you're leading is to start playing tentative, like Rory did at Doral. Mm. The harder thing to do is like to say... Like it on the back nine at Augusta. Well, you can argue, yes, you can argue the case he was fighting his swing also, but he was, yes. Uh, but for Day, he wants to step on the throat of someone and not just win by two or four. He wants to win by ten. So but that's, that's why, But that's also something that's that's why, that we've seen from Rory in, I mean, take Doral out of the have, equation, but that's a very Rory characteristic. So would to go you from take two Rory? to four to eight. I'm uh, I, could talk, I could talk myself into Rory. You want to take Spieth and then we'll wrap up? I think I still would take Spieth. Even... The, the calamitous finish that we just saw, I would throw that away. I would always skew towards the best putter. And that's yeah. Jordan Spieth. Because we have seen, prior to that run also, Spieth had a comparable record to Jason Day where he's at, at the players. And other notable events where he had either a share or had the 50 Masters ball. players back-to-back in 2014. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but that learning curve was pretty quick for Jordan Spieth. I agree. Jason, Jason Day's won his last three in a row. Rory had a great record before his, his Doral uh, miscue in the final round. Jordan Spieth, though, he has the intangibles in the short game. The short game is the great equalizer, and that's why he's But how long can you keep a hot putter? That's been the, kind of the big he's difference. He's kept it his well, entire life. Not this year. If you look statistically, compared to what he did last year, he putted great at Augusta. But I'm saying overall this season he has had one win on the PGA Tour. He probably, you look he at probably numbers, wasn't going to make a third of his putts from 25 feet. I think that's that what I'm saying. Say. You, how long can you ride a putter like that? He's still pretty good from 10 feet. I agree. Look, if you go back to Sunday with Brandon Grace at Heritage, of all the birdies he made, the shot that I think won him the tournament was the 15-foot par save on 16, where mm -hmm. Luke Donald was that's on. He's up by three. Luke Donald's got a good chance of birdie the hole before, where all of a sudden you get a three-shot lead, go to one. Luke misses his putt, and Brandon Grace has the putt that Gary McCord says, no one has read this right the whole day, and he puts it right in the heart. And that's the sort of shot, that going back to what you said about Spieth, it's the 10, 12, 15-foot putts that are absolute daggers when you're leading, or they're daggers for the chase pack to see uh, when you're trying to catch up to guys. And that's the sort of thing that won Brandon Grace the title on Sunday, and that's what Spieth delivers. And that was like Danny Willen at Augusta, making the putt on 16, yep. and then he gets up and down on 17. Those were two big four- to six-foot putts that really separate himself from the rest of the pack. If Spieth hadn't blown his five-shot lead on Sunday at Augusta National, would you have picked Jordan Spieth as the best closer? No, I'd still take Jason Day. Really? Yes, because... Jason Day is the type. Who was two. one for seven? Who was one for seven before yes. last year? With what speed stats? I don't Spieth have them on. Exactly. You only picked your counter <laughs> argument because I guarantee you, Spieth has a similar closing rate. And the reason I already said it, I'm reiterating it, is Day wants to expand his lead. You think Spieth wants to give it back? No, I don't think Spieth plays with the same type of firepower that Jason well, Day he doesn't does. Have the same type of firepower. Yes, and that's why I would take. I'm not saying Spieth wants to give it back, but I'm saying Spieth. He won by eight at Kapalua, but right. I don't think his mo is the same as what when Jason Day is firing on all cylinders, and he has a 54 hole lead. Right. I would take him over Jordan. It's Spieth. It's not like Jordan Spieth had a one hole or one shot 54 hole lead at Augusta and boosted it to five at the turn. Not like that happened. Now, did, he granted, close, did he close it out? I understand that the 12th hole happened, but I'm saying that it's it's not like this. You're saying who, who with their A game would you take? I would take Jason Day. I probably I'd take Jason Day. 50. I would take Jason Day with A game. A, a game. game? Yeah. That's that's his, where the argument comes from. His, like, his right, combination yeah. of length and touch around the greens is unmatched in golf. Yeah. All right. Let's get to my uh, favorite story. 
of the weekend, the Open de España. Yes. You had to be up bright and early <laughs> to catch this on Golf Channel. A really neat story how it played out. It was like a U.S. Open, basically. Andrew Beef Johnson, the 27-year-old Englishman. Where's the beef? Well, he got his first the winner. circle. European, <laughs> yeah, in the winner's circle. Here was his sound after he won the Open de España. Been like that all week. I mean, you can see the emotions running out of you right now. I mean, what does it feel like to win on the European Tour? It's what dreams dreams come true, and pretty speechless. Good man. I mean, you know, I mean, what are you going to do after this? Obviously, party hard. I think next weekend I'm back home, North Mid. I'm going to get hammered. <laughs> <laughs> My man. Let's let's toss a pipe back there. Yeah, Rebecca. so that Barrett. So, what would you guys do if you got your first win? I think get hammered is a great great answer. Did you take That's the week it. off like he was doing? He was going back to England. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, why would you ever play the week after? Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be ready to go until Friday. Yeah. So let's let's think this through. You won the Open de España. Would you fly home to go rip it up with your friends, or would you pick a city nearby? to where you want in that country and just say, hey, let's let loose for a few days. I think like it go depends to Barcelona. On, it could, it could. Now, Open Day Spanish, you've got some options. If I win the made in Denmark, I might just go home. But, uh, you know, given given the whole so Copenhagen's not, yeah. not enough for yeah, Will Gray. Right. But, but Barcelona has some appeal. You can still get trashed on the plane home. That's true, I guess. <laughs> I would I would lean more often than not, though. I'd go home, get with the boys, and, and let's toss one back. It's open to Espana. It'd be hard to resist the allure of some of the cities there, but I, I couldn't think of a better celebration than to get home, you know, go nuts for a couple yeah, of days, crew. slowly shake the cobwebs, and then two weeks later reemerge in the European tour as well. I like it. It's probably much different than what Brandon Grace is going through this week where he's going to get his teeth kicked in at TPC San Antonio. I don't know. I think he might have a good week. He likes that course just like he likes I'm just saying it's a brutal golf course. It's not exactly the way to welcome so the engine. So was Chambers Bay. So was Whistling Straits. Did I hear this right? You're selling? Brandon Grace at the Valero the Texas win? Open, which we're about the to preview after win? now. Sure. So then, Jason Day, Adam Scott, people can go back to back. Let's tee it up now. Valero, Texas Open real quick as we wind down our Monday scramble. Uh, apparently, we should bet heavy against Brandon Grace the week after who, a victory. But who was a guarantee to win at some point. <laughs> yep. And you but got, now that he's got the win, we're betting against him. Got real quick, guys, here's what we got this week. Swinging skirts, LPGA Classic. Of course, Lydia Cole, winner there. Bass Pro Shop Legends of Golf. I was at this event last Sweet year. Sweet golf course. Really neat. Sweet Top cool. of the Rock, the par three course is hard to beat, and the Shenzhen International European Tour in China. So as we take a look at the Valero Texas Open last year, if you remember, it was before the Masters. Jimmy Walker, a winner over Jordan Spieth. Who are, or is a guy or a couple guys to keep an eye on? I'm, I'm interested to see what Phil does. He was a late entry, decided last week he's, he's going to play. So surprising to see him miss the cut at the Masters and miss it the way he did, shooting a 79 in the second I round. I thought you meant beltless. Oh, no. That, was also, that, that too was also yeah. a surprise. Might have been a, a combination of factors. But I, I'm interested <laughs> to see how he does uh, at this event. It, as Lav said, this is a course that beats you up. It's the hardest non-major course, TPC San Antonio, uh, on the entire PGA Tour schedule. So we're going to see plenty of doubles and others and, and things 16s, like that. 16s, maybe. Maybe a 16 if, if Kevin yeah. Nas feeling frisky. But uh, Phil is a guy that I'm interested in seeing. It's windy. It's long. It's the rains are too. really hard. It's going to rain. There you go. It's going to make it even longer. Uh, this just has the makings of like a Charlie Hoffman week. No one plays TPC San Antonio better. I do it as your one and done. He's my one and done Charlie guy. Charlie Hoffman and Freddie Yock so good at this course. That's your like Zach John Doe golfer yes. generic A. Just like Luke, this just guy. like Luke Donald loves heritage. You get to a one and done with Valero. You're going Charlie Hoffman or Freddie Jacobson. Or Daniel Summerhays. Or Daniel Summerhays. All right. In other words, this will be a great podcast next week. Where we're <laughs> recapping the Valero Texas Open. <laughs> 
Predictably, Daniel Summerhays will get his first career PGA. Of course, predictably, duh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I remember last year, I think Jimmy Walker won at 700 and Spieth was at 300, yeah, something along three. those lines. So for me as a fan, I enjoy certain weeks like this where guys who shoot 69 or 70 can actually make up ground on the field, where it rewards good ball striking and it's not just a birdie fest which can be he's had a tough masters we had a relatively tough, tough rbc heritage, heritage. Yeah. now we're gonna have a tough yeah valero texas Open. and then, uh, then then we'll get to zurich and you can have 2500 we'll in new orleans awesome. and it'll be a little different and it'll be glorious yeah. <laughs> 2200 won last year <laughs> in new orleans real quick as we wind it down um as we take and or first off let's get to Mike Weir, I know you wanted to kind of touch yeah. on the little blow-up that had happened. He's clearly been struggling with his game for quite some time. Really? He took a yep. leave. A little bit. Uh, so 78 WD. Yeah, so he's playing the Heritage on a sponsor invite, and he shoots 78 and then withdraws, and he gets called out by tour rookie Dowie Vanderwalt, who says, hang it up, Mike, that you shouldn't use the sponsor invite if you're not going to play all 36. Mike Weir is 0 for his last 24 worldwide starts. He's either missed the cut or withdrew 24 straight events. Hasn't played the weekend since the CIMB Classic in October of 2014. So it's, I think it's an interesting dilemma because Mike Weir certainly deserves these sponsor invites. And if the tournament directors are going to hand them out to him... Deserves the sponsor invites? As, yeah, as a Masters champion, as, as a former oh, man, that was player. 13 years ago. But Mike Weir, if I'm a, if I'm a tournament director, Mike Weir is going to bring people in. Dowie Vanderwalt is not going to boost my revenue. It's not going to boost right, my sure. game. You're, if you're a fan there, do you want to see Mike Weir shoot 70? Or follow a couple holes of Mike Weir, or do you want to see Dowie Vanderwalt? Or right. do you want to see a young player who they can burn that, sponsor exemption right, on? That may be that's good, who I would but, prefer. but that's their choice. That's why it's a sponsor. Right, right. so you should be directing your anger, Dowie should, Mr. At Mr., Mr. Vanderwalt, at, at the tournament directors, not Mike Weir. Mike Weir is just tr trying to find his game somehow. And I think it's absurd for another guy to publicly state that. Like, he's struggling with his game. If he's afforded the opportunity to play, then play. But make it 36 holes. You've got to be able it's to... It's a sponsoring gem. He, said, he yeah. said afterwards, it took him a day or two afterwards, and he said, oh, I was feeling, feeling flu-like symptoms. It was like the NBA go-to uh, reasoning there. But you've got to be able to make it 36 holes. I agree that he should finish it out, but as far as the, the hang it up Mike and whatnot, he should he hang should it up. He should hang it up. He was saying what everyone else is thinking. I know, but he, he Mike should be able to hang it up on his terms. It, it, you should no, I'm saying he shouldn't. Lab, I mean, how many... I'm torn. I am torn. Because he's clearly fighting his game, and you have to respect the guy for continuing to put himself out there. He's clearly getting embarrassed. Yeah, he's over for his last 24. times more yeah. embarrassed than anyone else out there, and for him to still be so working why, on so his why, game... So why not quit? Because he's a competitor. If you're an, like, it's well, so he's not easy. Really, he's not really competitive. That's so, so really easy as an armchair observer to be like, yeah, just quit. It's only been your dream and passion to play professional golf for 25 years. You're going through an ungodly rough patch, and then you for have the last five years now. Yeah, he had a runner-up at Colonial. Was, no, it was at Nelson. Yeah, the, yeah he, Nelson. he has had these these patches before, and then all of a sudden come out, and it really was one week. At Nelson, and he almost won the golf tournament. Yes, Brendan he Todd. Beat him by he's a two. professional he golfer. Out of, out of the blue. Yeah. So, so then you're just said, oh, okay, I'm just going to napalm him and I'm, tell him to throw I'm, it up. Like, how I'm easy is it for you to say that when it's a guy whose entire career and goal in life has been to play professional golf? He's doing everything he can the last year, year and a half. At some to try point, and it becomes too much. I agree, but he should do it on his own terms. It shouldn't be you, shouldn't be me, shouldn't, shouldn't be Dowie. Well, he wouldn't be doing that. If the tour directors were doing their job in finding someone who's actually competitive, 
then Mike Weir wouldn't have no, a choice. No, but, but if I'm a tournament director, I'm thinking bottom line. Who's bringing in revenue? Who's bringing in extra ticket sales? Mike, Mike, Mike Weir's Weir's bringing in ticket sales? Absolutely. Yes. There, there oh, are people Lord. that flock down yes. from the Great White North, and they will go watch Mike Weir on Hilton. Guarantee you. That's, that's unsettling. That may be, but that's the state <laughs> of the game, my friend. And that's the final word, I guess, <laughs> if you will. It's been a few Hashtag years unsettling. Mike Weir, Mike Weir has won on the PGA Tour. Guys, uh, always a fun time. Sorry for, you know, your body I blows. I like the feisty Savarikis. Earlier this in the show. Good. Bring a little heat this Monday, right? Yeah. Lavner, well, great. George Savarikis, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us on the Monday Scramble podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.